Hey, man, I choose to believe. That's great. I love that. I'm so glad you're here tonight. How many of you love the Lord? Amen. I'm glad that He is so faithful to us. Uh, I can't say that I've been faithful to Him. Just can't say it. But I can definitely tell you He's been faithful to me. And uh, it's amazing at the problems and the things you go through, how big they are until He handles them. Isn't it amazing? They're just so huge until He handles them. And then it's like, wow, that was simple. I don't know why I was so worried about that. And so I thank him for being faithful. Oh, it is so good to see Bob. Wow. Uh, The reason he's here is because he ate a banana today. (laughs) I always pick at him about his bananas. But uh, I'm so glad to see him today. Oh, it's just great. Good to see all of you. You really do look good. Whether you believe it or not. Not all of you. (laughs) But uh, I do enjoy... uh, Boy, we had a great, great music program this morning. That was just tremendous. You sing on the cross, I'm going to promise you, you have to you have to be challenged. You have to be moved when you sing about the cross. And I really did enjoy that this morning. That was tremendous. And praise the Lord for uh, His love for us. We started last week. We're in Mark chapter 2. If you want to turn there, we started talking about friendship. Mark chapter 2, would you stand please and let's, let's read these verses. Mark chapter 2, verse number 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for friends that love us. When they know the worst about us, they care about us. When they know there's no advantage to to taking care of us, they still do. Thank you, Lord, for good friends. Teach us to be that kind of friend to the people around us. And then thank you, Lord, most of all, for being our dearest friend. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we're talking about, this is in connection with the Sunday morning thing with helping people. Now, remember, Jesus was at Jacob's well, and he was going to help this lady. Now, he didn't know her. She wasn't a friend. But he was going to help her because he realized her desperate need. 
We started with this last week talking about how do we become friends to help people. Now, these four friends brought their friend that was sick of a disease to the Savior so he could be healed. That, we would say, is a dear friend. When you care about people, even to your own peril, even to your own trouble, when you care about people, that demonstrates the friendship that we should have. Now, know this, that friendship, I told you a couple weeks ago that uh, ministry is messy. You get involved in ministry, you get involved in somebody's life, you're going to get some mud on you. I promise you. Ministry is messy. So is friendship. Friendship is not easy. Friendship is not something that you say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend. You know, we've all got fair-weather friends. Uh, well, I would come, but, you know, my grandson's playing soccer tonight. <laughs> you know, I would help you out, but, you know, this is the weekend that we have to plant tomatoes. It's, it's always something. And so... Friendship is messy. It's hard. It's not easy being a friend. It's real easy to stay in your cocoon. It's real easy to stay in your bubble. It's real easy to keep yourself in, you know, I, I pastored a church one time. Their motto was, our four and no more. Right? For sure that was the motto of that church. For sure. I told Brother, uh, uh, nope, yesterday, what was his name? Yeah, Brother Treadwell. I told him yesterday, I said, I pastored a church, the only thing growing was the grass in the cemetery. <laughs> That's the gospel. There's no joke about that. And they didn't warn anybody. They didn't care. They didn't reach out. And, and so friendship is that you get out of your comfort zone and you do things that require you to get messy and get dirty and get in trouble because you are helping your friend. And that's what these four did. So we started with this premise last week and we talked about what a real friend is. I'll go over it real quick and then we're going to talk about what the Lord does. There are 10 things, and I'm going to do them real quick, so hang on. If you wrote notes last week, then you got them, okay? The first characteristic of a friend is they love us no matter our situation. Number two, they take care of us when we can't take care of ourselves. Number three, they know our limitations. Number four, they help us when we're in trouble. Number five, they want, to have, they want us to have the best help. Number six, they go out of their way to help us. Number seven, they help us overcome obstacles. Number eight, they do not leave us when things are tough. Number nine, they have faith. Number ten, they push us to God. Okay? Those are the ten things that friends do. There's no question about it. You've got a person in your life like that, that's a real friend. Now, they may not talk to you every day. They may not call you every day. I'm a, I'm a good friend, and he is a good friend, and we talk maybe once every three years. And one day I was fussing to Sandra about my friend, that he never calls me, but maybe once every three years. And she said, 
well, does he call you once every three years? I said, yeah. She said, well, he's your friend. (laughs) And just get over it. Just because he doesn't do everything you want him to do, he's still a friend. And he is that. So a friend is somebody that really does these things. Not somebody that necessarily talks to you all the time. Not somebody that is always in your business. That's not always a friend. And so those ten things were things that I came up with as I was doing a study on loneliness. Uh, I, I can tell you that loneliness is a real issue. It's an issue that the church... Uh, doesn't really want to face. Uh, the church has a a real ministry. I, several years ago, I was introduced to a church that had a great caring ministry. And I'll be honest with you, I would love, I would love if Lion Creek would ever be interested in developing a caring ministry. We we have a good good skeleton of it now, but I promise you, a caring ministry that uh, takes care of the body is so phenomenal. And this church had a great caring ministry. And I was so impressed that there was never a person in that church that slipped through the cracks. Everybody was taken care of. And it was done through, they actually had a staff member that did the oversight, but the whole church got involved in the caring ministry. And it's a tremendous ministry because loneliness is a real part of especially the senior's life. How many, how many of you are seniors that your kids call you all the time? Your kids do call you. Well, that's great. Would you teach my kids how to use the phone? My kids don't call me. They text me. <laughs> I don't want to text. I want to hear their voice. I want them to drive by the house, sit down, drink a cup of coffee with Mama. Okay, so you see, loneliness is a real part of our life. And so as I was doing this study, these were the things that came out to me. These are the ten things that helped me with my own loneliness. And whether you think so or not, and I know people think, oh, preachers can't be lonely. But we are. We go through loneliness. And so... As I was going through this study, I found these things to help me, those ten things. And then it took me into this study. The ten things that Jesus does to prove he's my best friend. He is my best friend. (laughs) He is my best friend. He said, well, preacher, he doesn't even... He's not even physical. He's not even there physically. doesn't matter. He's there. And He dwells in me through the person of the Holy Spirit, but I have a friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, and guess what He's doing? For who? For me, not you. <laughs> I don't know where you got in front of the line. <laughs> He's doing it for me. Right now. Right now. At this 
very moment, as I'm standing in his pulpit preaching his word, he is right now at this very moment, at this very second, he is making an intercession with God the Father for this old preacher standing right here. Hallelujah. You can't get any better than that. You think you're connected? Huh. I want you to know, he is with me, making intercessions for me. So he's a very, very real, personal best friend. How does he do it? Well, let me give them to you real quick. Uh, My wife put in a request that y'all get to go home early. So you you can shake her hand at the back door while I'm still preaching. Okay. Number one. What Jesus does to show me he's my best friend. Number one, he loves me no matter my situation. Matthew 28, Matthew 11 verse 28, great verse. He says to the people, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you to know it doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You say, preacher, yeah, but my, my situation is so unique. I don't think anybody can, can really help me with this. I don't think anybody can be near me. I, this is such a terrible personal thing. And this is what he said. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. And you shall find what? Rest to your soul. He wants to take care of every one of my situations. And believe you me, I get in them. I don't mean to. Some of them are, are imposed by other people. Some of them are imposed through spiritual warfare. Some of them are imposed through personal sin. Some of them are imposed through my own weaknesses, my own... What did the preacher... Uh, well, I can't remember that fellow's name. Fred Treadwell, he said idiosyncrasies yesterday. Hadn't heard that word in a long time. It always makes me think of the word idiot. So he knows he knows how stupid I am. He knows how ridiculous I get. Do you understand that the situations you think no one else goes through, he understands them perfectly. In Psalm 103, he says, I know your frame. I remember that you're dust. (laughs) Do y'all ever get mad at yourself for being so stupid? Do you ever get mad at yourself for being ridiculous? Why did I get in that mood? Uh, Is anybody here moody? Don't raise your hand. Anybody sitting next to somebody that gets moody? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Honestly, he is my best friend because he knows what to do with every one of the situations that I have in my life. If I want real wisdom, I'm going to follow his leadership through my situation. So the first thing is that he knows us and he loves us no matter our situation. Number two. He will take care of us when we cannot take care of ourselves. In Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 24, you know the story. They were in the ship, 
And they said, Master, we're, we're perishing. The, water, the water's coming in the boat. We don't know what to do. Know this, that he will take care of us when we can't take care of ourselves. Now, I know that there are many times in my life that I have to have some help. If you live so independent that you don't ever need help, you have missed one of the greatest joys in your life. For someone to come alongside you when you're hurting is a great joy. Don't ever turn them away. When I was a young preacher, I was so arrogant and so hot-headed, I didn't want anybody to help me because I didn't want to be obligated to anybody. I didn't want any deacon to feel like he had any power over me. I didn't want anybody that sang music to be, feel like they had any power over me. I, didn't want, I, wanted, I was so independent, I wouldn't accept help. And this is the truth. This is the honest truth. One day, my car broke down at church. It wouldn't start. The battery was dead in it. And I knew, I lived four miles from the church, I knew that I had a car at the house that had a good battery in it. I walked home four miles, took that battery out of my car, carried that battery four miles, and put it in my car and drove home. Because I didn't want anybody to help me. I didn't want anybody. I didn't need anybody. I didn't want anybody to to make me be obligated to them. I carried that battery four miles. Do you know how I felt? Like an idiot. I carried it four miles. Sandra said, "You you are the craziest man. Why didn't you just go inside the church? The church was full of people. The staff was there. The Christian school was there. There were people all around. Why didn't you go in there and tell them your battery was dead? Not me. Not me. I want you to know something. One of the greatest joys that came out of Sanders' cancer was that we got to be on the other side of ministry. And oh... How much, how much I realized how stupid I had been by not letting people love me and take care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. And the greatest friend you have is, of course, the Lord Jesus. He takes care of you when you can't take care of yourself. You ever get in over your head? Oh, no, I know. Y'all are perfect. Y'all don't. I promise you, I get in over my head all the time. And he has to bail me out. Well, you're just weak. Well, I'm glad I'm weak. Because when I'm weak, what do he say? Then am I strong. So understand what God wants us to know is that he is our best friend when we can't take care of ourselves. We've got to hurry. Number three, he knows our limitations. Well, I love John 21. Don't you? You remember the story when... Jesus is talking to Peter. They've been out fishing, and he says, come and dine. And uh, that's one of the the greatest breakfasts there's ever been because Peter had to eat crow. (laughs) At any rate, he, uh, he comes in, and he starts talking to Peter. 
And he tells him three times, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. And Peter says, Lord, what are you doing to me? This is what he says to him. The first time he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me with that holy, godly love? And Peter says, in his mind, he has to say, are you for real? You know me. You know what I did when I was sitting by that fire. You know how I denied you three times. You looked at me. You know how much I love you. And why are you asking me this ridiculous question? Do you really love me? Deeply, holy love. And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you this much. I love you with a brotherly love. I love you with a a limited love. And Peter says, I don't get this, Lord. And the Lord says, Peter, I said, do you love me with that We call it agape love, whatever you want to call it. It's just that deep-rooted, you love God with all your heart, your whole soul, and mind. And the Lord asked Peter the second time, do you love me with that kind of love? And Peter says, man, will you get off of this? You know that I don't love you that much. I love you with this brotherly love. I love you with this limited love. And finally, the Lord says, Peter, do you love me a little bit? (laughs) And Peter said, yeah, I love you that much. He said, preacher, that's not what went on. Yes, that's exactly what went on. He wanted Peter to know that he wanted him to love him with this deep love, but he knew Peter didn't have that love yet. You know why? For one thing, he had not received the Holy Spirit. So he couldn't love him with that agape love. He couldn't love him with that deep love until the Spirit of God was indwelling him. And so the Lord said, I know your limitations. Do you know God knows, the Lord Jesus, your best friend, knows all of your limitations. Now you can carry a big thick Bible under your arm. You can dress in a a three-piece suit, and you can walk around. You can even put your collar on backwards. I don't care. (laughs) The truth is is that he knows you. He knows your limitations. He knows how big of a deal you make him, and he knows how little of a deal you make him, and he still cares, and he knows your limitations no matter what. And to be honest with you, when you... Know that he knows your limitations. It gives you a liberty with him to enjoy the relationship in a greater way. In Hebrews chapter 4, he tells us, verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, how do we do that? Because we have a high priest which has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities He knows all about us. He knows every limitation. Now, how did he know that? Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces into 
and lays asunder the heart, the, the, whole, the whole reality of who we are. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all measures and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse number 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. He knows everything about me. He knows every one of my limitations. He knows what stuff you don't know. He knows the stuff y'all think you know. <laughs> well, you know, I know that preacher's got some real problems. I don't know what they are, but I know he's got them. Listen, he knows the real problems. Do y'all understand that? He knows you. He knows every one of your little weaknesses. And he still wants to be your best friend. <laughs> Glory to God. Do you know when I pillow my head at night, I do not worry about my Savior loving me because he already knows me. When I wake up in the morning, he's going to love me as much as he loved me tonight. He, he's going to love me right now, and he's going to love me in 10 years the same way because he's my best friend. He knows my limitations, and it doesn't seem to bother him. Number four, he helps us when we're in trouble. He helps me when I'm in trouble. Of course, uh, the story in Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 14, when uh, Peter steps out of the boat the waves started coming up on him, and he says, Lord, save me. <laughs> you know, I love Peter because he, at least he stepped out of the boat. Don't, don't you get real hypocritical with Peter and judgmental. Now, the Lord could. He could say, well, Peter, you don't have any faith, but you can't say it. i tell you, one of, the, one of the most interesting characters you'll ever meet when you get to heaven be Peter. Here was the man, everybody else staying in the boat. Give him that much credit, at least he got out of the boat. At least he started walking on the water. Most of us don't ever get out of the boat. He got out of the boat, he stepped on the water, and all of a sudden he realized he was walking on the water. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm going under. I'm going under. And then he cries out. Know this, that the Lord is going to help us when we're in trouble. Now, notice he did not. Now, I've never heard a preacher say this. Never have. They probably have, but I've never heard it. Do you know he never one time looked back in the boat and said, Hey, fella, send me a lifeline. Never did. When he started going under, he didn't say, I got some buddies. Got my back. What is it? Got my six. I got some buddies got my back. No. Who'd he call? And Lord, help me. Lord, save me. I want you to know something. If you really understand this idea about him being your best friend, you know who to call on when you're in your trouble. You know who to call on when you're in your trouble. And so he is my best friend because he helps me in my trouble. Number five, he wants me to have the best help. He wants me to have the best help. Now, a friend will get you to the best help. I used Mary Jane as, as this example last week. When people go to her about doctors all the time, getting, her, getting the right help, and she apparently knows the ones that can help you. I don't. I, listen, if you come to me and say, Preacher, um, 
I need a, I need a good lawyer. Recommend somebody. You don't want my lawyer. <laughs> I, somebody called me the other day and said, Preacher, I need a counselor. I said, You don't want my counselor? <laughs> that rascal mess you up. Uh, by the way, it's okay to get counsel. I think that's what the Bible says. I think there's a verse that says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Is that in the Scriptures? Or is that in David's Bible? Uh-oh. I hit something right there. Let me back that one up. There's multitudes and counselors. Don't ever be afraid to get counsel. Don't ever be afraid to get counsel. It doesn't mean you're weak when you have to talk to somebody that understands some things you don't understand. Do not be afraid of counselors, but don't trust mine. (laughs) I don't know how to get you the best help, but I want to tell you something. I know who will get you the best help. Listen to this. Uh, As a matter of fact, you've got to turn there. I want you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Make sure I got the right verse. Yeah, this is it. John 17. I want you to look at this. This, this is the Father's prayer. This is the Lord's prayer to the Father. This is a garden prayer. He's praying for us. He's praying for his current disciples, his current people, but he's also praying for those that will come later, us. So he's praying. This is, called, this is actually called the Lord's Prayer. He's praying for us. I want you to look at verse 15. This is, this is great. Verse 15. I pray that thou shouldest take, shouldest not take, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of this, of the world, even as I am not of the world. Do you know what he's saying? He is invoking from the Father the protection for your life. He is invoking from the Father the protection for your life. Now, I want you to hear me. Now, if you never hear anything else I say, let me tell you this. There is one help that will never be bad for you. It will never lead you astray. It will never hurt you. It will never harm you. And that is the help that God gives you from His hand. And if God gives you that help, know that the, the Son invoked that help for you. Wow. Do you know why God loves me? Do you know why God takes care of me? Do you know why Jehovah God takes care of me and His providence is all over my life? Do you know why I'm grinning tonight? Do you know why... I, um, uh, I have the blessings that I have. Do you know why I'm standing here? Do you know why I'm standing in front of this great church? Do you know why God has blessed me? Do you know why? Because he heard from his son that David 
needed his help. The son, my best friend, went to the father for me. Hallelujah. (laughs) You can talk about all your connections you want to. That's the best help I've ever had in my life. And sometimes I think we get a little silly thinking that we've got to have this special kind of person to help us when in fact we have got the Almighty and His Son has approached Him on our behalf. (laughs) How many... I've got to talk to you personal here. How many of you fellas had somebody else ask your girlfriend or wife for a date first? Would it be okay if he asked you for a date? Anybody ever do that? Huh? Richard? Okay. Anybody else want to be truthful? I had, I had somebody else. I had one of her, her girlfriends ask, hey, would you like to go out with so-and-so? Did you ever have that? Hey, I did that before. Scared to ask a girl? So you ask somebody else to ask the girl, right? Oh, y'all are so silly. <laughs> y'all act like you've never been in love. I know how you, I'm, 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 the first time I asked Sandra for a date, it was, I, 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 scared she's going to turn me down. I want you to know something. My Lord who died on the cross for me, said to his father, would you help David? (laughs) I don't know how you can get any better than that. Would you help David right now? I pray for them that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Wow. Oh, do you know what a friend you have in the Lord? I gotta hurry. I'll never get through this thing. And Sandra's already uh, her request has already been denied. So y'all just have to sit here. Number six. He went out of his way for us when he died on the cross. He went out of his way. A, a real friend goes out of their way for you. Goes out of their way. Oh, listen, we've had people do all kinds of things for us. We've had people to do uh, things that I would have never thought anybody would do. And uh, I know I talk about my dad sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure some of y'all wonder about my dad and uh, did he love me and all that kind of stuff. Talking about me going to jail. My dad was a strange man, but I've got to tell you this story. I've lost my handkerchief somewhere. My dad was a tough old bird, but he loved me. One night, I was coming back to Montgomery, Alabama, because I was stationed at, at Maxwell Air Force Base. I was coming back, it was on a Saturday night. And I had to be on duty on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Shift changed at 8 o'clock, and I had to be there to go to work. I was driving through Atlanta, Georgia, on Saturday afternoon in a 1967 Cougar with a 289 with a four-blade fan. 
The worst cooling car I ever had in my life. Ran hot all the time. I pick up a hitchhiker up in Gwinnett County because, you know, back then hitchhiking was pretty good and you trust people. And I picked up a hitchhiker and I said, ride with me through Atlanta. Keep me calm. He said, okay. So he jumped in the car. We rode through Atlanta. And I got down to um, uh, the uh, 85 break-off from the connector where you go down by the airport. You know, that's a hard exit for some reason. And that old, that old thermometer was bouncing up there, and it was getting hot. And I thought, man, if I can just get out of this traffic and get some air on that radiator, it'll be okay. It'll cool down. And I got to that, to get off that exit there at, what is it, Longhorn, Long, what is that? No, what, what is that exit? 166? Langford, that's it. And I was trying to get off and trying to get in some air, and the track was just backed up for some reason, but an accident or something. And so that old needle just kept going and kept going. I finally got on, on 85, headed south, and all of a sudden, something busted in that thing. And antifreeze filled my, uh, my windshield. I had to turn on my wipers. And the fellows riding with me said, let me out. <laughs> I made it to Sylvan Road. I pulled up. There's a service station right there where the old master's in or whatever it was. There's a service station right there. And I pulled in. It was 3.30 on Saturday afternoon, I, I told the fellow, I said, what, what, uh, can I let it sit here and cool? He said, yeah. I said, I've got a busted hose, so I'm going to have to replace the hose. And so I replaced the hose. I had enough money to replace the hose. I replaced the hose and got it connected back and everything was okay. It tried to start, it wouldn't start. Somewhere or another, that motor had just got saturated with antifreeze and I guess the coal was wet, and it just wouldn't start. I had to be in Montgomery, Alabama. I had to have a new coal. I didn't have any money. Guess who I called? Daddy. Now, Daddy was pastoring in Gastonia, Second Baptist Church in Gastonia, North Carolina, and I called him. I said, Daddy, I'm broke down. I'm on Sylvan Road in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know what to do. He said, I'll be there as soon as I can get there. <laughs> he drove all the way from Gaston, North Carolina. Had to preach the next morning. Drove all the way. We got that car started at 8 o'clock that night. He drove back to Gastonia. I drove home because he loved me. He wanted to help me. He wanted to be there for me. Now, I want you to know something. They're a real friend will go totally out of their way to help you. Guess what my Savior did? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, that he went out of his way and became sin for me, and he never sinned, but he took my sin, he went way out of his way, took the blame for my sin, and died for me. Wow. 
You can't go out of your way any more than that. You cannot go out of your way any more than taking somebody else's blame. And that's what he did for me. I have got to go or we'll be here all night. Here it is. Number seven. He helps us overcome trouble. He helps us overcome trouble. One, one of my favorite stories is Matthew in Matthew chapter 12. It's the man with a withered hand. And Jesus uses him to prove that he can heal on the Sabbath. And he tells this man with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand and you'll be whole. Know this, that he wants to help you overcome the obstacles of your life. I don't know what your obstacles are. I know what mine are. I know how hard they are. I know what I face every day. I know the obstacles that I have to overcome. Now you say, preacher, uh, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have any obstacles. Yes, we all have obstacles. We all have things that we cannot handle. We've got to have some help to get over those things. We have to have somebody that can give us the solutions to do the things that we need to do. I promise you that the greatest friend I have is the Lord Jesus Christ because he gives me the solutions for our obstacles. He told the, the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand and it will be whole. Wow. So he wants to help you with your obstacles. Number eight. He does not leave you when things are tough. He does not leave you when things are tough. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Everybody knows that one, don't you? Everybody knows that one, don't you? Hebrews 13, 5. If I start it, you'll finish it, okay? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13, 5. Isn't that great? You know what that actually is saying? It's saying, and it's a triple emphatic in, in, the, in the construction of that sentence in the Greek language. It's called a triple emphatic. It really is saying, I will never, no, never, no, never leave thee, and I will never, no, never, no, never forsake thee. Now, the idea of leaving is that he's not ever going to let us down. He's never going to disappoint us. He's never done anything to disappoint me. Has he you? Has Jesus ever done anything to disappoint you? No. He's always been there for you. But then he promises not only will I always be there for you, but when things get the toughest, I will not forsake you. I won't leave you in a lurch. I'm not going to leave you when things get tough. I want you to know that when things get real dark, a lot of people leave. Now, if it's sickness, that's, that's one thing. And we can kind of, in our judgmental way, say, okay, I can help you with your sickness. But get in some serious trouble. Make a mistake. Make a mistake. And watch how your friends leave you. One of my best friends is a pastor. I was a pastor. And several years ago, he lost his ministry because of infidelity. We don't know the details. I've never asked him. I've never pressed him. But I knew about it. I knew him as a casual friend. We talked. We would speak. And several years ago, after this happened, God put me into a relationship with him in a particular 
environment. And I'm not going to say any more. And I thought, God, why would you do this to me? Because I know my other preacher friends are going to watch me and see what I do here. Because the rest of them have called him. Y'all know what call means? They've, they've marked him off. He's no good. He's sorry. And when I mention his name, and I do it all the time, because the moment I mention his name, I see the reaction from the person, and I know exactly what they're thinking. But God put me in this situation with this friend. And he said, now I'm going to test your colors here. I'm going to see if you really live by what you preach. This boy is hurting, and he's hurting desperately. And he knows your background. He knows your friends. He knows what people are going to think if you befriend him. He knew that. And I want you to know, in a process of a couple of months, he and I became very, very close. We've never talked about his sin. It's never come up. The ramifications of his sin have been constant. He's lived in a lot of shame. He's lived in a lot of loneliness. He blew it, and he will readily admit it. In a group of of preachers one day, he broke and began to share the shame that he had lived in. And I want you to know something. A real friend loves you at your worst. They don't judge you. They don't mark you off. They help you get through the mystery. This very week, this past week, and I had a boatload of stuff to do this last week, and by accident, God put us together. I spent almost two hours with him this past week, and all I could do was just love on him. Just love on him. And I told him, I said, son, it's not over. There's still things for you to do. God's bringing you back. God's going to give you a second ministry. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. When the rest or a lot of my brothers would be behind me saying, He's done. He's done. He's missed it. He's blown it. But that's not what my Savior does. Because He didn't do it to me. When I mess up so royally, He never says, I can't handle this, David. He stays with me, and he is my best friend. I've got to close. I don't know where I am, but I'm going to close. He has faith in me, and he pushes me to God. As a matter of fact, he's going to take me to the Father. This is what he said. I go to prepare a place for you, and when I come back, I'll take you with me to be with him. The ultimate friend is one that pushes you to the Father. We're going to close the service. Uh, we're going to have an, an altar prayer. 
and we're going to pray for these people. And I know it's five minutes after, and don't, don't chastise me with a wet noodle, okay? Mary Jane, would you come here to the piano, please? I am, uh, you will know what an idiot I am. After somebody that sings as pretty as Robin, I'm going to sing. So you know I am a total idiot. 345. This is my song. This is my friend to me. Please don't listen to my voice or the cracks or the when I'm flat and all that kind of stuff. Listen to these words. You stand, would you? This is our benediction. 345. Pray for me, I get through this. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From Him no power of evil can sever. He gave His life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Once I was lost in sin's degradation, Jesus came down to Bring me salvation, lifted me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone. But for eternity. Y'all sing this one with me, last one. Joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood he gave to redeem. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. My my best friend is Jesus. And I love him dearly. Don't you? Would you get in this altar, pray for these, and thank him for being your best friend. We'll close the service.